Gemma, good to be here. Great to be here. We're great to have you here. Now, Michael, you, you know, thought your anti-Semitic German heritage was bad, but really only you're only now discovering that your Irish heritage was just, if not more, anti-Semitic. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so you have it on both sides. But look, you know, Mike, that we are about to introduce the most totalitarian hate speech laws in the history of totalitarianism. Ireland, when it's, you know, obeying the Jews, it just goes to unbelievable lengths. It has to be the best boy in the class. So we will be getting up to five years, but make that five years in jail if we are in possession of any anti-Semitic material. And obviously that means any, you know, probably any pro-life material, in fact, you know, but um, so they're going to burst what, into our homes. What about the Bible? Oh, for sure. I think St. John, the Gospel of St. John, is that considered anti-Semitic material now? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yeah, no, that would be probably top of their list. But I just want to ask your advice on this, because both of the two parties, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, that are planning to introduce this have a long history in anti-Semitism. And we were talking about our founding father, Eamon de Valera, who wrote our Catholic constitution and, you know, how he even turned down an offer from Churchill to return the six counties of Northern Ireland to us in exchange for, for getting involved in the war against Germany. And de Valera refused you know it was his obviously yep. lifelong dream for ireland to be united but he said Devil no we're not getting involved Devil was a jew wasn't he <laughs> stop what a jew are you are you joking no that's what i heard I, 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 was i mistaken here Didn't, am well, i mistaken very, he wanted to be a priest he was he was educated by the holy ghost fathers who are currently being shredded by the media i don't know if he had jewish heritage i never heard that but anyway but the but what is the pro the situation here is we'll look into that the problem here is that what if you are in possession of material belonging to the political parties that want to ban it but material that is anti-semitic because also i think i showed you some comments that were made by a former Fine Gael minister whose son, this, this is Oliver Flanagan, and his son up until fairly recently was minister for justice and was is partly responsible for destroying our cultural heritage and allowing mass immigration to destroy this country. But his father actually made some astonishing claims and said that he wanted to, during the Second World War, introduce emergency orders directed specifically against the Jews who crucified our saviour 1900 years ago and who are crucifying us every day of the week. There is one thing that Germany did, and that was to rout the Jews out of their country. Until we rout the Jews out of this country, it does not matter what orders you make. Now, so the point I want to ask you about is, so these are the two parties 
that are trying to bring in this hate speech. So I wonder if you're pos- in possession of this material, will you still be prosecuted? That's a good though? question. That's a it's good coming question. from their mouths. So the, the, the question, what is the purpose of this? I think the purpose of this is to prevent you from looking into your own history, to prevent you from understanding your own history. And the fact that the, the, your, your political forebears were aware of, of the Jewish question because it was inescapable. And uh, to be honest with you, it's inescapable right now. They, they, we, we just went through a situation where they, uh, the Jews overplayed their hand in America and blew up their most successful revolutionary movement, which is basically the Black Jewish Alliance. And uh, uh, Dave Chappelle went on uh, Saturday Night Live and turned anti-Semitism into a joke. This is the type of this is the type of thing that can happen at this point. You can you can go too far. And Jews are notorious for not knowing when to stop because they they don't like Logos. And Logos is always talking about boundaries and limits and things like that. So uh, if you're talking about don't they understand that uh, Everything that we stand for is to prevent this type of, uh, I hate, dare I say, Nazi type of breaking into your house and and, uh, arresting you because you have uh, bad material in your house. And now it turns out it's your own history. You're prevented prevented from even uh, studying your own history because that's obviously hate speech, what that man said. And if you had in your possession, you'll go to jail. But yet it it will have come out of the mouths of the very people who want to jail us. You know, this is the point. Do you you see what I mean? They have a long uh, large amount of irony here. Now, the the practical question is, uh, uh, is, this is the government who, who was acting at this point, right? Well, they call themselves a government, but they're a bunch, a mob of, of you know, dictators, uh, completely demented, out of control. I mean, which which means, in order to to do this, they would have to put you on trial, right? Yeah. In order to, uh, if they put you on trial, then you have the right to present evidence and interrogate the uh, the other side, right? Not, it doesn't really work like that anymore in the courts of Ireland because um, if you attempt to even try to sh- to produce evidence, you know, all of the judges are completely controlled and many of them are in debt, big, big debt. So they have to do what they're told. So the well, this, courts this, is, this is unfortunately the situation in Germany where uh, Sylvia Zil- Stolz was a defense lawyer and she tried to enter the evidence uh, in, uh, to defend her client, and she was accused of proposing the same type of hate speech that the client was simply by bringing it up in court. And so she went to jail. There now, this, this, this is a complete abuse of any type of uh, notion of a judicial system. It's a complete abuse of that. Look, our Chief Justice, Michael, recently said, and he's no right to step into the political waters. We have a clear separation of powers. So, But he he made these comments about his concerns about sweeping nationalism. Aggressive, I think he said, nationalism sweeping across Europe. So he's basically saying he's against people in Europe who who stand up to defend their heritage and their freedom. And he's the chief justice. So what hope have we got? But just before we leave our history, you know, Ireland was 
unbelievably anti-Semitic. I don't believe it's anti-Semitic. It's called protecting your Catholic heritage. But we actually even banned Jewish migrants to the country. And um, the uh, there was one condition upon which they could be allowed in, and that would be if they were to convert to Catholicism. This is how strict the government was during the Second World War. So it, what do you make of that? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that, but it shows you that how the Catholic Church can protect Ireland here. If you if you have this type of rationale, if you're talking about the Catholic faith, it, it's not anti anti-Semitism. It may be anti-Jewish, but it has nothing to do with anti-Semitism, which is racial. And the church has clearly rejected this point of view because it doesn't explain anything. If you look at the conflict that took place at the time of Christ, well, both of the contending parties had the same DNA. So uh, racial doesn't explain anything. But if you're talking about the content of their ideas, well, then, yeah, that's you would have to say that the church is anti-Jewish. So the church, when the church was in power in Ireland, it protected Ireland from these invaders. And yeah. so it's one more instance of where uh, the fulfillment of what the uh, Chibota Catholica said in 1890, any, any, any nation that turns its back on Christian laws will end up being ruled by Jews. Well, you did that, didn't you? Uh, with the abortion referendum, with the gay marriage referendum, and now you, you have no protection. You have given up your protection, and now these aliens have completely taken over your country, and they're going to drive you out if you, if you say anything that uh, that they disagree with. This is a terrible situation. Terrible situation. I, no, it, uh, I mean, I bore the brunt of one today. I'll come to that in a minute because there's very few Jews in Ireland, even though they're running the place. But there's very few actual ones here because I think they have never felt particularly comfortable in Ireland because it is, you know to all intents and purposes, still a very Catholic country. Like, And the Irish are going to turn back very, very soon. They are. The churches are packed. But um, just on this point, um, I think this was an Irish... It says, meanwhile in Berlin, the country's violently anti-Semitic ambassador, Charles Bewley, worked to scupper the chances that any Jews might slip through the tight net Ireland had thrown around itself. His reports back to Dublin noted, wait for this, Michael, that Jews were involved in pornography, abortion and the international white slave traffic. They also <laughs> denied any deliberate cruelty on the part of the German government to the Jews and parroted Hitler's defense of the Nuremberg laws. So uh, exactly what you've been saying for the last few decades. Right. About the Jews uh, using the first of all, being involved in it and then using it as a form of subversion. All of these people understood this. That's why they're, they're, they're trying to keep them out. They're trying to keep them out to preserve. You've got a fragile country, as, as Dave Valera mentioned about the divided nature of Ireland. It was a, it was a fragile country uh, and it couldn't afford to get involved in, in big uh, power politics. It had to remain neutral. And he steered that that course uh, courageously, as you said, even after he got offered the bribe of uh, unity, uh, uh, bringing those six northern counties back into into Ireland to the Irish Republic. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. He, but I mean, this this is all. You know, what 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 people tell me something. They tell me something. They, they it's kind of standard. 
they they say when I first heard what you said, I thought you were crazy. I had never heard anything like this. But then I looked into this, and it turns out you were right. So it's kind of independent corroboration of something that you've been saying, and that they were not only are they saying it, but they were aware of the danger back then, and were doing everything within their power to prevent uh, this from happening. So as soon as the Irish let their guard down and thought, hey, everybody's our friend, uh, they, they want to lend us money, that means you're yeah. my friend, doesn't it? Uh, well, they, have, they obviously hadn't never watched The Merchant of Venice uh, because they would have known that that's not what friends do. Uh, but as soon as they thought that the world was, you know, they all love us, they were taken over. They lost that vigilance that the people had. Yeah, I think a very, a very deep insecurity complex, which is not uncommon in nations that have been colonized for hundreds of years. Um, but no, I don't know. I think it was also more to do with the fact that we were profoundly Catholic at that point. Very, very Catholic in terms of, of de Valera rejecting that attempted blackmail for us to get involved in the Second World War. I think it was coming more out of a profound sense that they knew exactly what the Germans were trying to do, and but also that there was a, a profound Catholicism there, and he was trying to protect us. I mean, many of us wouldn't be here today in Ireland if he had gone along with that. Um, so, you know, I, I think, you know, it was a very devout religious country then and um especially you know we'd only recently achieved our independence so we were not going to suddenly start getting involved with uh, aligning with with britain in a war that was you know clearly being funded by nefarious forces and not and not in your interest at all absolutely not, in your interest not. at all yeah, no, no, it, no. again the theme that comes out here is that catholicism protects you it's a little bit like uh, chastity. Chastity protects you from exploitation, from sexual exploitation. Uh, that's a good thing, isn't it? And and uh, yeah. Catholicism protects you from exploitation from forces outside of you. Oftentimes, they're trying to pretend that they're victims or something like that. And then you let them in and suddenly they're running the show. That's exactly the, the, what happened to Ireland once they let their guard down. They let their guard down as soon as they started... Uh, abandoning Catholicism. So, I mean, yeah. that's the that's the bad news. But the good news is it's reversible. Yeah. <laughs> if you go if you go back to Catholicism, suddenly the protections come in. Now, this you can't uh, uh, like you didn't get into this situation overnight. And you're not going to get out of it overnight either. You know, there's going to be a struggle. You are you are facing this struggle when this when this draconian, uh, immoral, uh, unjust law goes. If it ever goes into force, you will be faced. Uh, you will uh, face uh, the the long arm of Jewish vengeance, and and those people hate you. I mean, you're told to love your enemy. They're told to hate their enemy. Those people, they're told that hate is a Jewish virtue. Just like abortion is a, a Jewish sacrament, hate is a Jewish virtue. It's the total inversion of everything you believe. And if you want to defend yourself, you better go back to church because that's it. That's all you have now. Well, and they have a very long memory, even as though even though their memories are very profoundly flawed. But they will never forget Ireland's stance on um, well, no, the, the articles are right now. They will never forget this. They will never forget it. Sorry, Mike. 
the, the article, when did it come out? It's just recent, right? This is this is very similar to uh, Ken Burns's uh, new uh, documentary on the United States and the Holocaust. It's the same issue. A whole shipload of Jews showed up in America and they got turned away. And and uh, part of it was the Roosevelt administration, which didn't have the clarity, the Catholic clarity that your politicians had back then in terms of understanding the, the threat. And uh, had Roosevelt had worm tongue next to him all the time, which was uh, their Jewish secretary of the treasury, Henry Morgenthau, always whispering in his ear, having incredible power over the guy. But uh, uh, the, the Christian, the residual Christian culture prevailed because Christianity defends you against things. And so uh, basically Cordell Hull, the, the secretary of state, and uh, Henry Stimson, the secretary of war, said, this isn't Christian. We're not going to allow this to happen when it came to the Morgenthau plan. But I'm, it's the same thing. You're, you're seeing the same type of ploy here. The, you uh, Irish did not let these people in, so you're bad people. You, well, you, don't like- an, you, you don't have an obligation to let anyone into your country. It's a privilege, and you have the uh, the duty, if you're a politician, to defend your borders. And the fact that you that that has changed is largely because of Jewish propaganda, uh, and the effect it has on people who are too stupid, too besotted by lust to understand what's happening. And I'm telling you, I'm getting it from both sides of my DNA here, both from Germany and from Ireland. The perfect blend, the perfect blend. But uh, yeah, I, I was saying to you, you know that we've run your excellent, um, one of the brilliant pieces from Culture Wars um, on the uh, denial of Holocaust denial. And um, so today, unfortunately, it, it got into the hands of a Jew. I wasn't aware. I wasn't aware of this, right? <laughs> So this Jew happened to have my phone number because she's involved in um, a, a form of medicine that is, um, you know, in, in relation, sort of natural, you know. So she and I have crossed paths because of the vaccine problem, right? And, you know, okay. I, so, but I, you know, I totally forgot about the Holocaust story being in there. There was nothing intentional. So anyway, she sent me the most vicious text and it was as follows um, that, you know, she was absolutely horrified by the story in, about the, the Holocaust and um, it's grossly incorrect. Now, th- this one, you know, the article, don't you, um, Mike? It's the Charles Stanford uh, piece about uh, Robert Forreston, who is okay. probably yeah. the, mo- the most best recognized um, revisionist, right? Holocaust. Right. Yes. Yes. You. Um, But she said, as a Jewish person whose grandparents lost nearly all their family in the Holocaust and survived, I'm absolutely disgusted, okay? But that's what, don't ever come here, my dog again, I'm not going to. But I was going to say, it's lucky that you're blessed that I'm a Catholic and I forgive you, but please don't speak to, to me in my country like this. I, I don't know where she's from, but I just, you don't respond to these people. But the, the, the just the, I don't know what it is, childishness. It's it's all this victim mentality. 
we could go on about holocausts in Ireland till the cows come home, but nobody gives a damn about the, the amount of holocaust we were put through. Uh, and they were real ones, unlike the Jewish one. But, you know, all these people, Mike, who say that they, um, you know, they that all their family was annihilated in the Holocaust, but yet they are here. So basically, Hitler was a really bad exterminator. I mean, how how is she here if her family were exterminated in the ovens? This is the point. The point, the interesting point here is that Gay Valera made that speech right at the end of World War II, before, before the Holocaust narrative had, had gotten into existence. It really hadn't gotten started yet. And so when you have all these major players, none of them were really talking about it in their, in their biographies, even as late as into the 50s. This is something that came about uh, gradually. And uh, what it did was create a class of people who are immediately infallible. So, and she played that card. As soon as someone says to you, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, that's the end of the discussion. You can't say anything after that. You can't say, well, let's look at, no, no, I have relatives who died. Didn't you hear me the first time? I said, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, which means you have to accept everything I say, including my demand that you uh, uh, turn yourself in as a bad person. You have to feel guilty for being a bad person. I, is, I'd say this, this, this the, one is the, going to the, the cops. I'd say she's going to the cops because she's, you know, I mean, any of them that are here are they're placed here, I think, for a particular mission. I've I've come to realize that now. So because I mean there was another one that attacked me a couple of years ago when I was in a rural town called Longford in the cathedral grounds. And um, I was doing a stream, Mike, about the fact that Irish children in Longford now are minority and, and they're, they're, it, it's mostly now black and Muslim, which is just devastating. Like it's a beautiful, lovely rural Irish town and it's full of mosques now. So um, and nothing against the poor children. But I had shown a picture of a classroom in Long. The rest were all colored so and foreign. Eastern European. But anyway, when I went up there a few days later to do a stream, this Jew came over and started attacking me, calling me every name under the sun. And at the time, I wasn't aware that she was Jewish, but it turns out she was. And in Ireland, as I say, there's very, very few of them. So they've been placed strategically, in my opinion. Yeah, they're commissars. And the commissar is there to make sure that you follow the party line. And if you don't follow the party line, they're uh, empowered to take you out and shoot you. So that's so wait a minute. Are, are, isn't this proving uh, us right when, when these Jews come up to you and start threatening you? Isn't that uh, a bad sign? Isn't that a sign that there there's this enmity here that uh, uh, and aren't we powerless in dealing with it? Isn't that the whole point? This is the whole point of what uh, in the United States just blew up with this whole red denouncing white people. And uh, the ADL blew it up. So now you got uh, Jews who are determined to be unpopular. They're, they're uh, a minority. Uh, OK, that's enough. That's that's uh, one thing. But then when it's a minority, that always has to be in control and is always demonizing the majority population as bad people. Uh, don't you expect a reaction? Don't you think there's going to be a reaction? Well, I mean, they are a minority, maybe. But 
I mean, in terms of dominating all of the um, major industries, and you know, this is why I get back to Hitler being a really bad exterminator. I mean, how the heck did these people, if they were mostly exterminated, end up dominating every single aspect of the COVID agenda, for example? Dominating every single aspect of mass immigration? Dominating every single aspect of pornography? Hookup culture? It's all there. The proof is all there. Dominating every single aspect of Trump's campaign and Biden's, of course, dominating every single aspect of abortion. So if they're a minority, <laughs> they're one heck of a powerful minority. And of course, Hollywood is completely and utterly run by them, right? Yep, yep. Oh, if they press the issue, they will press all of this information that you just uh, cited into the general consciousness of the people of Ireland. Uh, do you want to do that? So it, before you do, let me let me just tell the the Irish uh, judiciary to, and the Jews in Ireland to just take take a deep breath and step back and look at what happened to the ADL this past week when they overplayed their hand. Look what happened there. You think it's not going to happen in Ireland? It's the same thing is going to happen to Ireland if you press the issue. If you press this issue, there's going to be a reaction. You will bring about the very opposite of what you intend. Jonathan Greenblatt thought he could push this guy, this basketball player, around. And what he did is he turned virtually every black in America against the Jews. That's not what he wanted to do. He, he did it because Jews are blind and they always overplay their hand. I'm saying the same thing is waiting to happen in Ireland. It's well, waiting and, to happen all across Europe. And because the Irish are the blacks of Europe. We're told that all the time. Absolutely. We, There's a movie yeah. about it. The Commitments. Yeah. I watched so, the movie. Right. <laughs> That's it. You know, and we are. We are because we are. I mean, I'm not, I don't feel particularly sorry for the blacks. You know, I don't feel sorry for any people because of the color of their skin. Um, you know, the Irish probably per capita have done more to help Africa, probably even more than America. Okay, well, we never went in and blew up their countries either. But right. now, um, wait, now, wait, stop here. Remember uh, when Queen Elizabeth died? Suddenly there's this orgy of black Irish solidarity. Uh, I, I was shocked because the blacks are all, uh, the Irish are all always identifying with the blacks now because we were both colonies. I guess it's Ireland, Nigeria, something like that. Well, if that's the case, all you people uh, that uh, vilified Queen Elizabeth. Why don't you check out what's happening in the United States now? Because all of those blacks now are turning against the Jews. Well, if you identify with the blacks, maybe you should look into that. Don't you think? Is that something you need to look into? I think it is. It definitely is. Anyway, sure, Ireland will be majority black anyway, thanks to the Jews. So they're going to lose Ireland one way or the other. You know, as much as they like to see it as their little offshore den of iniquity, where they can house all of their big pharma HQ and their big tech HQ. Uh, that's not going to last because I'm telling you, the Irish are starting to get quite restless. And in that speech from De Valera, uh, there was a beautiful line in it about, I'm not sure if you, if you read it all, but um, 
it was talking about the suffering of the Irish and but how they I yes in relation to Churchill Churchill de Valera said could he not find it in his heart the generosity to acknowledge that there is a small nation that stood alone not for one year or two but for several hundred years against aggression that endured spoliations famines massacres in endless succession that was clubbed many times into insensibility but that each time on returning consciousness took up the fight anew a small nation that could never be got to accept defeat and has never surrendered her soul so the irish you know we're down we're in that moment again where we've been clubbed into insensibility but we will rise again and when when our consciousness comes back and our conscience uh, when, when you're clubbed you're you're you have no power over the aggressor you're just uh, you're crushed by the aggressor this is seduction this is not being clubbed that, that that's the big difference the irish were seduced into something now and they've got to this is harder i think in many ways to accept the fact that you collab you collaborated in your own moral decline and you collaborated in your own subjugation because uh you wanted something that you weren't really supposed to have that's what they got to face up to it takes repentance to do with that to, to deal with that that's what has to happen that's what has to happen but we have enough empirical evidence to prove uh how you got there now it's not a coincidence it didn't happen overnight it took a while but it's it's not forever uh, because as soon as you wake up and you go back to church, the, you'll start the healing process and you'll start to regain your power. It's that simple. And if it takes persecution to wake everybody up, well, then that's what it takes. Well, exactly. And because suffering is God's way of making us stronger and bringing us closer to him. That's right. That's the whole point of suffering. If it weren't for suffering, we'd be uh, we'd never we'd never approach God. We'd always be off on ourselves, just having a great time until it was too late. So this is God's mercy showing you clearly what is happening, who's behind it and what you need to stop it. So, you know, now, OK, now that we know that there's, there's obviously going to be struggle, but at least, you know, where you stand and who, who you're against. Exactly. Know thine enemy. Um, Mike, you've been doing some really interesting conversations on your Telegram chat, which I would really encourage people to watch. It's every Thursday, isn't it? No, every Friday at five. Oh, sorry, it's Friday. Friday. Okay. Friday at five o'clock New York time. And do you usually put it back up on BitChute then a few days later, is it? Yes. After? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Right. But you were talking about I didn't I wasn't aware of this thing uh, called No Not November. And as an Irish Catholic female, it's a little bit embarrassing talking about it, but I'm going to. But anyway, apparently this is when men stop engaging in pornography and masturbation. And I was listening to you talking about this. A young man asked you a question about it and whether it is a ploy by the Jews to um you know they brought in all of this pornography and pushing masturbation do you know that our government actually during the covid told people to masturbate 
Well, that shows you who's controlling your government. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what more do you need? First of all, this is uh, this goes all the way back to uh, Wilhelm Reich, the Jewish uh, psychiatrist uh, who wrote a book called The Mass, Psycholo Mass Psychology of Fascism in 1933. That was his program to promote masturbation. And, and he understood that he was a, a Jewish communist living in Vienna during the 1930s. The Austrian countryside, Austria had been crippled, truncated after World War One. It was just a small fraction of what it had been. But the, the countryside had remained loyal to the Catholic Church. And uh, he was confronted with the uh, problem of, well, how do you deal with these Catholics? Uh, you know, this was the fundamental political problem from uh, the point of view of a Jewish revolutionary who wanted to overthrow the state. The people weren't interested in politics, but they were interested in sex. And so you mobilize sex as a way of doing this. And so in his book, he talked about uh, don't uh, don't debate uh, the. Don't debate the existence of God with a seminarian. You'll lose. It's a waste of time. What you do is you convince the seminarian to get involved in sem uh, in sexual activity. Yeah. And at that point, uh, Reich said, the idea of God will evaporate from his mind. He wants to do anything. Well, he's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And so he had this experience of uh, uh, he would have women in uh, treating them as a psychiatrist. And uh, he was always faced with the female inhibition <laughs> to engage in this activity. I wonder why. Uh, because they had some residual sense of chastity and the fact that chastity protected them from exploitation. But he said, uh, the thing that will change all this is a mass situation. In other words, you can get a lot of people together and they're all talking about this sexual things. Uh, this woman will find it easier to act out on her sexual impulses. Well, that's exactly what happened over the course of the 20th century. You had these mass situations. The Jews who controlled Hollywood started uh, insinuating this into films. The music industry, which is also controlled by the Jews in Hollywood, started putting on these mass situations, these concerts where you listen to Dionysian music and you have all the ideas. And then they start acting out. And I'm saying I, I, I'm saying that what happens uh, when you have an abortion, because abortion is a fundamental Jewish value. If you're Catholic, you become a Jew. How do I know you become a Jew? Now, I'm, I'm not saying there, there are women who have abortions and go to confession and repent. I'm not talking about those women. I'm talking about the women who don't do that. Uh, uh, and the only comfort that these people can have, the, uh, the only respite they get from their guilty conscience is when they join with other people in a mass situation, like a, a, a gay pride rally or a, a, an abortion rights rally, because I got all these people here and it can't be wrong if we all did it, can it? And so the result is how do, so why, how, how do I know you're, you, you became a Jew? Well, because you act like a Jew. And how do I know you act like a Jew? Well, because you vote for pro-abortion politicians. So you just had the situation in Pennsylvania where you were two candidates for the governor, and one is uh, Josh Shapiro, who bragged about uh, taking on the Catholic Church and exposing the Catholic Church for the pedophiles and hypocrites that they are. He bragged about this in a, in a, in a state where there are many more Catholics than there are Jews. I mean, overwhelmingly more Catholics than Jews. Why did he say this? Because he knew that he could count on all those Jewish converts. 
which are basically the women who had had abortions and refused to repent and are now uh, full of anger over their own sexual dereliction. This is the way it works. We know how it works now. We know now why abortion is a non-negotiable demand. We know now why it's a fundamental Jewish value, because this is how they take over places like Ireland and Pennsylvania. That's how they do it. I always encourage people, because for me, this was a real awakening. I mean, I knew, I mean, I grew up in Catholic Ireland. Nobody ever lay a finger on me. I didn't know anyone that was sexually abused. So, you know, when I discovered apparently that this was fairly widespread in certain boys' schools, I was really, really shocked. But only fairly recently in the last few years, Michael, I learned about the works of Bella Dodd, the American senior member of the Communist Party there, one of whose functions was to put Marxists into the Catholic monasteries, pederasts, in order to completely overthrow them and to sexualize very holy men. And now we know, you know, why our altars and why our um, boys' schools, well, most of them don't even have priests anymore. But, you know, at the moment, the mainstream media in Ireland is salivating over the fact that one of the most respected schools in the country, Blackrock College, where Raymond de Valera went, had apparently a long history of paedophilia. We know why, because it was infiltrated by Masons, by Marxists, by Jews to brought in. This was the plan. Destroy the church from within. It, it doesn't have to be Jews who do this. This is the whole point I'm trying to make about these women. These women who have abortions, they become Jews. They, they become ferocious in their defense of the thing. And they show this by supporting Jewish political candidates. Or, or pro-abortion political candidates who are controlled by Jewish money. All this Jewish money flowed into Michigan and to Pennsylvania to basically in Michigan for the referendum on abortion and in Pennsylvania for, for, for the governor. The governor had a, uh, a grand jury. Grand jury is simply a fact-finding in, uh, body. Uh, very similar to what happened in Philadelphia. The lady who did that was also a Jew. It was Lynn Abrams, who was also on the board of the ADL. So she publishes a, uh, 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 the results of the grand jury. Uh, one indictment of 300 priests, but she publishes the names and pictures of 300 priests. Well, that's a total abuse of the grand jury. You're saying you couldn't find any of these people guilty because you would have brought a trial, uh, 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 you would have indicted them put them on trial, and you can't do it. So why are you publishing their pictures? Because this was an attack on the Catholic Church from the beginning. That's all it was, orchestrated by Jews who were taught to hate the Catholic Church. Shapiro did exactly the same thing in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, exactly the same thing with exactly the same results. Maybe there were two indictments, but he published pictures of 300 priests. This is going to be, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. So the main problem we have in America now is the uh, Jewish law enforcement, which means the world turned upside down. So uh, in uh, uh, the Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, just gave a, a speech to the ADL in which he's saying he is collaborating with the ADL to fight hate crimes. Hate crimes means anything Jews don't like. And they, I, I guarantee there's one thing they do not like is protest over abortion. 
because abortion is the Jewish sacrament. So what does the FBI do? In Bucks County, there's a, a pro-life uh, activist by the name of Mark Halk. The FBI shows up at 5 o'clock in the morning, 30 armed men with guns out, uh, drags this man out of bed uh, in his underwear, takes him outside in front of his wife and five children and terrorizes them, and by extension, uh, uses him as an example to terrorize the Catholic population, uh, the Catholic and pro-life population. This is Jewish law enforcement. This is what yeah. you're going to get in Ireland if you have the likes of these people denouncing you. Who do you think? What type of solidarity do you have as the Irish people if some Jew can come to you and say, I have relatives that died in the Holocaust. I don't like what you're saying. You're going to go to jail. What kind, what, is, that, is, that, is, that a, a, is that a long-term plan? for uh, acceptance of Jews, uh, Jews are going to prosper under this regimen? No, they are blind and they don't see what they are, that they are them bringing about what can very possibly be a violent reaction if the majority of the people do not wake up and return to the Catholic faith and then try to use that power to limit these people, their influence culturally, and maybe uh, also bring about their conversion. Yeah, well, we had a situation recently, Michael, in, in our parliament in the Dáil, where this little lefty who has murdered her own baby in the womb, she's a, a le apparently an elected TD MP, but they were um, they had the police, the Gardaí in before them, um, and they were talking about these new restrictions that they're going to put in front of hospitals to stop pro-life people from gathering. And... Um, she actually had the audacity to say to the Gardaí, to the police, that they were to stop using the term pro-life because she didn't like that term. It made her feel that she was anti-life. Now, this same woman did abort her own flesh and blood in the womb. So, you know, the police fawning all over these people. So, of course, of course, we won't refer to these Catholics as pro-life anymore. We won't use that term. Sorry, it's so offensive. So the term pro-life now, it has to be abolished. That's hate speech in Ireland as well. Okay, this is this is good news. This is good news because uh, the, the wider, the broader, the more irrational you become, the more you alienate the overwhelming majority of people. This is the cunning of reason. This is the way God uses the wicked to bring about his good. So you get this extreme, you're going to have a lot of people. Uh, if if it's, It was like the, the overuse of the term anti-Semitism. You know, you turned, you used it one too many times, Jonathan. And now you have the entire black population of America saying, you know, I don't want to say it here <laughs> among the polite Irish, but they, they are really annoyed. And in a sense, you united the blacks against the Jews. That was a really stupid thing to do. This is the way God works in human history. Thank, in a sense, I can say thank God for Jonathan Greenblatt. Thank God for Jonathan Greenblatt. He's got even Jews ass demanding that they abolish the ADL. He has gotten so out of control. I'm not kidding. There's a, an article in the tablet, a Jewish magazine, which is saying the ADL has to go. They're making, they're making life tough for Jews. 
That's exactly what he's doing. Well, God bless him. You're doing God's will, Jonathan. You'll pay for it in the end, uh, you know, but you're doing yeah. God's will in spite of yourself. They're doing your job for you, Mike. I mean, Thank they're, you. They're Thank vintage. you, Jonathan. Do you, remember, do you remember when it was just Mike Jones? Do you remember it was, it was just him? Well, now, I mean, it's not just me. After 15 years, you've got all of these. Suddenly, Kanye West, who's a billionaire, is starting to talk about Jewish control. I th thank you, Jonathan Greenblatt. You're the one who did this for me. Thank you. You can just sit back and be vindicated every single day now. They're doing your work for you. But I, I want to get back to this, um, the, the masturbation, the pornography thing, because this very interesting question that was asked of you, it, it, this guy was making the point that these practices take the masculinity out of men and the life for it sort of saps their energy. And as a result, you know, like we keep saying as women who are mostly on the forefront of this fight in Ireland, you know, where are the men? When are the men going to come in so we can step back? I mean, I don't want to have to be, you know, getting thrown into police cars because I'm trying to stop a vaccine genocide. I'd rather it was men doing it, but it was left up to mostly women in this country. So is it that, you know, is that true that this excessive use of pornography and masturbation is literally sapping the life force out of Irish men? Yes, I'm not. Sh I'm not sure. I I agree with the the biology of what this guy is talking about. Okay. So if you're if you're saying that the the semen is the life force, uh, and if you ha you have to preserve keep this inside of you, I, that's not that's not mm -hmm. the way I would put it. Okay. No. okay. This I'm, we're not talking about the we're talking about the interaction between body and soul. Yeah. And what I said is. Um, I mean, what Aquinas said is that lust darkens the mind. And that's obvious, obvious that that is the, the, the problem with pornography. It, it dislocates, it derails any type of thought pattern you have. I, I, I've experienced this on Twitter where I'm looking up something uh, and suddenly pornography shows up on Twitter. I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. Uh, uh, and suddenly, wait a minute, what was I thinking about uh, before this lady showed up and took off her clothes? I forget now. Uh, this is exactly what happens. It derails your thought pattern, which means you can never figure out what's going on. And that's good. The Jews love that. The second part is it divides the will. And I think that gets closer to what you're saying, because now you're so uh, lost and you don't know what's going on and you don't know how to act now. And because you don't know how to act, you withdraw. You withdraw from the public square. And so that's why you're doing it. And some man is not doing it. Because he's lost his his sense his sense of direction, that that's the issue here. They the the men are missing in action, precisely because of this type of derailment of masculinity. It's bad enough when they they demonize you because you're a man, as if there's something uh, bad about uh, testosterone or something like that. This is all uh, obvious stuff that's in feminist circles, but it's even worse when you do it to yourself. And that's precisely what I'm talking about. These men, the, guy, the guys who were calling me up during the show, they're, they're young men. They're in their 20s. They should be trying to find a spouse. They should be uh, trying to make themselves attractive to women. Uh, they should be looking around for women. This is, that would be healthy. 
because of this behavior, you become more and more isolated. You become like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings. You put the ring on one too many times and you start to disappear. And one of the manifestations is that you're, that you're disappearing is you're, you're not attractive to the opposite sex. And that leads into a vicious circle where you're not attractive and then you become lonely and you get caught. Once again, you get caught up in this vicious circle of watching pornography and masturbating, which makes you lonelier and less attractive. And it becomes a vicious circle to the point where, they, you know, you're just on the couch in the basement and you're not seeing anybody anymore. This, you have to break this cycle. The good news is we can break this cycle. There are people who have done it on their own, and there are people who are smart enough to realize that this is why Jesus Christ came on this earth, because we need someone to save us from our sins, and yeah. that the church can do that. I get letters every week of people who turned their lives around. They're now married. They have children, all because they were able to understand the problem and take action against it. It's possible. It's doable. It's, it's not, you know, rocket science. It's not. And I, like I would say to maybe young men who have this addiction, because, you know, children, boys, small boys are being exposed to this as soon as they get a mobile phone. So what are they going to be like by the time they're 17 or 18? They're not going to have a clue. They're going to see women as, as sex bots and nothing more. You won't be so, able to relate to women. That's, the, that's exactly the problem. You have to cultivate this to the point where, you know, women find you attractive and then you find one woman and you get married and then you have a life. This is deliberately, deliberately intended to thwart the ability of the majority population to reproduce itself. It fits in right with abortion. It, it fits in with uh, right with immigration. All of these type of things are all being orchestrated by Jews to destroy you, to destroy you. And if, if you don't think it's bad in Ireland, take a look at Germany. I, I, I've got DNA. Both, both uh, parts of my DNA are telling me here there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Germany has become so docile because of sexual liberation that they're yeah. going to basically uh, freeze to death in their apartments and think they're being virtuous by doing it. I know. I know. You know, when you go to Germany and Scandinavia as an Irish person, you like I, I mean, I, I don't know. I know through the years going there and you see these ads where there's like fully naked women advertising I don't know what very skimpy lingerie or whatever and I, like I I just remember always being really really shocked and thanking God that there's nothing like that in Ireland you know the, like because we had leagues of decency and we had you know great priests who protected our men from all of this filth and big big fights to keep porn pornography was kept out of Ireland they did a phenomenal job it's really up until very recently that it was was brought in. The internet, obviously, as well, didn't help. But, um, you know, so there was that really frank difference culturally. And you just think these people, like they've been exposed to this filth for years. You know, the Germans, the Danes in particular. Um, and it's just, it's so degrading to their cultures. And uh, uh, they, they, the they were ahead of the curve, but. Yeah. It was the same group. I mean, I, I, I talked about this. It's in it's in Logos Rising. I mean, there was a Jew in uh, in Sweden. 
Harry Schein. I mean, I'm going through this thing, reading the list of, you know, Ingmar Bergman and Olaf Palma and Bjorn Bjornsson, and suddenly Harry Schein. That doesn't sound Swedish. Well, it's not. He was an Austrian Jew who went there and had immediately uh, and got contact with the film industry and started working with Bergman, who was the director at that time, to create a code-breaking film, which was The Silence. And that exactly, that's exactly what happened in Germany. It was a crucial turning point in Germany. Uh, it, they tried it in America, and it didn't work. Uh, America just doesn't go for foreign films the way other places do, and and so it worked in Germany, and that was the fatal moment where the Catholic Church just ran up the, the white flag of surrender to this uh, basically Jewish operation that was determined to destroy them. I keep, I want to come back to this. I can't emphasize this enough. This is a plan to destroy you. It's nothing less than a plan to destroy you. And if you don't believe me, ask, talk, see what's happening in Germany. I'm, I'm saying the same thing to the Iranian. It looks as if my article is going to be published in, in Farsi. So I am going to get to talk to the. I'm saying if you follow this path, you will end up like Germany. Do you want to do that? I mean, everybody's out there. They got the CIA feminists taking off their hijabs. Do you know that's going to last and end up? Well, take a look at Germany and you will know. You will know. A group that a people, their pipeline was blown up by the Brits and the Americans, and they're too afraid to even talk about it. The Greens are opening coal mines rather than talk about what really happened there. This is a terrible situation. Terrible situation. And if you want to end up like that, then keep taking your hijab off, honey, because that's where it's going to lead. Well, you know, I am starting to think that, you know, we, we've been very wary of Islam in Ireland, given its, you know, record in across the water in, in places like Rotherham and the, the grooming gangs. But, you know, probably the Jews are behind all of that as well. And we probably have less to fear from the Islamic invasion in Ireland than, than the Jewish one. Yeah, you know? I, think, I think you're yeah. right. It was Benjamin Netanyahu said, you have to get the Muslims to watch Melrose Place. Well, I, what he's really saying is pornography. He's a polite way because they don't want to admit that they did use pornography. They broadcast it in Ramallah. They use it as a weapon against, uh, what, what should I say? Is it Puritan? That's the wrong word. But I mean, traditional cultures like Iran where the women wear these long, you know, the chowder, the hijab, okay, as a way of protecting chastity. The problem with Iran is that they don't have the Catholic Church to guide them. And so as a result, the Supreme Leader approved contraception in 1989 when the Ayatollah Khomeini died. And after that, he didn't understand he was creating the revolutionaries are trying to bring him down right now. He didn't understand the connection. You can't wear this hijab as a kind of superficial uh, uh, symbol of uh, protecting women's chastity, and they're giving them birth control pills that are eating away at their fertility. That doesn't make any sense. They have to resolve that contradiction. So, inshallah, uh, we will have this conversation in Iran. But as I said before, it's easier for the Irish. <laughs> you don't have big problems like this. You've got a very well, simple mean, I solution. Our great grandmothers wore hijabs effectively. They didn't cover their faces. But, you know, in the 1840s, the mid 1800s in Ireland, up until the early parts of the 1900s, you know, women were, I mean, my grandmother, our grandparents would have been, our grandmothers would have been extremely 
Um, I mean, certainly you would never go, even now, I mean, it was drilled into our generation. You do not go into church with your arms bare. And, um, you know, so look, like it's not that difficult for Irish people to understand because we came from very devout Catholics who, you know, knew that as women, they should be modest and chaste and, you know, they knew their their place. I mean, our constitution written by Eamon de Valera had a, a place designated for women in the home. The idea of that being, Michael, that women would not be forced by economic circumstances to have to leave their children in the hands of the state it wasn't anything anti-women. It was pro-women so that women could do the nurturing, which is their role. So all of those benefits were there for women, of course, but they've been ripped out by the feminists who have turned Irish women into, into slaves of the state and big pharma. That's and right. Big and now and it, they, takes, it takes two people to earn what one man earned when you had a decent family wage, which was the product of Catholic social teaching. That's what it was in America in the 1950s. The, uh, the Jesuits at that point were still influenced by uh, Quadragesimo Anno. Uh, the family wage was the pillar of places like Detroit. And that meant that the woman could stay at home and take care of the, of the children and raise productive children rather than wards of the state, which is what they're all becoming now. Yes. Yeah. And, and productive and also aware of their heritage, you know, to make them culturally aware and to teach them about the culture. Those years, those formative years from zero to 10 are so crucial. So much learning when children are like sponges. Um, you know, it needs to be done by the mother in the home with the father there as the protector. That's the whole idea of the family. But of course, all of that now is considered old fashioned and regressive and anti anti female. Um, I know I want to talk to you a little bit about the nuns, but I think we probably have to hold off because I don't I know you like to stick to the hour, but um you, you know, you have been talking about the feminine, the feminazification of nuns. And that's what led to the sexual acting out of the girls of my generation. And all those nuns who had their academies in the suburbs of Philadelphia became feminists. The girls became sexually liberated. After they became sexually liberated, they uh, oftentimes got pregnant uh, Oftentimes they had abortions, and at that point they became part of a revolutionary movement. It's the same thing in Iran. The women became the leading, the cutting edge of a revolutionary movement that is now going to overturn, trying to overturn that society. Inshallah, we will prevent that, but that's the goal. That is how the, the CIA is achieving what they cannot achieve uh, through weapons. They know they can't achieve that. That's what's happened. That's what happened in Pennsylvania. That's what happened in Ireland. And it's time we woke up to it and realized, uh, hey, I don't like being in jail. I, I don't like this form of control. I suddenly realized that all of those promises were simply to get me to act out in a way that makes me docile and easily to easy to control. And I'm tired of it and I'm stopping. I'm, I'm going back to church. Yep, that's a great starting point. And also to make your house you know, for those people that have problems with these uh, this promiscuity and whatever they're doing, you know, because they're single and they feel they have to satisfy their passions. I think to make your 
your house, your home holy, to put in holy statues and prayers, images of our Lord. Um, and that will help you with these really dangerous addictions. Because yeah, Aquinas, a lot of people, Aquinas you know, said that we, we have to have beauty in our lives. And if we're not presented with the higher forms of beauty, like architecture, like the paintings that go into these buildings and so on and so forth, we'll seek it in lower pleasures. And that's precisely what happens. So you live in an ugly world. The only beautiful thing you can think about is the female body. And that will get you into trouble. Uh, that's precisely what the dangers of beauty is about. And, and which, yep, yeah, is still available. I hope you're getting some orders from Ireland and you are going to come in and do your presentation on that, hopefully maybe in December. In I, run Christmas, I think it'd be wonderful. That'd be great. That'd be great. Mike, we let you go because you're working so hard. You're so generous as always with your time. Thank you. That was really, really interesting as always. And thank you to our audience and the chat. I'm sure it's been absolutely flying there. So we we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Gemma. It's always a pleasure. Good night. God bless, Mike. Thank you. Good night, everyone.